Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. C-13 Originals. If you have any tips as it pertains to this story, please reach out to tips at gangstercapitalism.com or our tip line 347-674-6980. We can ensure anonymity. I know that this is the right thing to do, but I am terribly nervous. I hope that people, I hope I don't lose friends. When I was listening to the podcast, I felt like I had done something wrong. When you hear it in its totality, it's like, holy, wow, that's so much. And I kept listening and I thought, okay, well, that is true, that is true, that is true. And then it was Wayne saying, I have no idea that Oliver North was being paid by Ackerman. And I said, that's not true. That cannot be true. That is not the way that we did business. This is Alex. We've disguised Alex's voice and identity. But Alex was a longtime employee of Ackerman McQueen, who worked directly on the NRA account. And for the first time, Alex gives us an inside look at the way things worked between the NRA and Ackerman McQueen. I worked at Ackerman McQueen for several years on the NRA account, and I had seen several jobs, uh, which is what we called them, and one specific job was called OOP, which stood for out-of-pocket. And the items that went to that particular job were directly for items that Wayne wanted to build separately. There was no given budget for this particular job. Things were not loaded into the system for this particular job. It was not common knowledge in the company either. It was not meant for everyone to have access to or to know what was in it. And the charges mainly came from the American Express cards that the individuals had. Alex says that top NRA executives had Ackerman McQueen American Express corporate cards, which they used for charges that they wanted to hide. These cards were in Ackerman's name, paid by Ackerman and billed to mainly the out-of-pocket jobs. So that was just billed back to the NRA on invoicing. We saw things like cigar bar charges. We saw things like suits and travel and entertainment meals that were excessive. Wayne LaPierre used his Ackerman card to charge nearly half a million dollars for designer suits and luxury travel. 
and the invoices for expenses like these didn't get sent through normal NRA finance channels. They were addressed directly to Woody, and then they were paid from there. Alex says that the invoices for charges on these corporate cards, which were then billed back to the NRA, went directly to Woody Phillips. Remember, Woody is the NRA's former chief financial officer who was caught at a previous job embezzling a million dollars. And he was the first name on the NRA's internal list of concerns during its audit in 2017. He'd even signed the check, which was meant to facilitate the purchase of a $6 million mansion in Dallas for Wayne LaPierre. We were told that it was for expediency, that they would get him paid faster if they went directly to Woody since he was above all of that. But I am sure that they were hand-delivered or sent to him so that it was all kept out of the normal process over at the NRA. But there was an added layer of protection for some NRA execs, too. According to Alex, they were each assigned an Ackerman employee to be their handler. These handlers would travel with NRA executives on the NRA dime, mainly for one reason. They were there for no other purpose than to pay for things. I'm sure they had some title. I'm just not sure what else they actually did. It just seemed very odd to have an account service rep, I guess if that's what you want to call them, always with the NRA individuals. And then the two that mainly had these people were Wayne and Woody. So these employees would pay for things, turn in these expenses on an expense report, then it was built back to a NRA project. But what is astonishing is that Alex says that it wasn't only NRA executives who had one of these Ackerman corporate cards. There was a handful of cards that were for people like Tyler, Wayne, Tony. Did you catch that last name Alex said? Tony? Alex is speaking about Tony Macris. Remember, Tony is an executive at Ackerman and the president of the Mercury Group, which is owned by Ackerman. Macris also had one of the corporate cards that would bill some of his expenses back to the NRA. And that included a monthly fee for an exclusive members-only cigar and wine club in the neighborhood of the Mercury Group offices. Landini Brothers is a restaurant where the wining and dining of the NRA executives and at times maybe just the Mercury Group or Ackerman employees were there. And they had a monthly fee that they paid and all of the charges were put on Tony Macris's card. It was to have a place at his beck and call to take people there whenever he chose. Sometimes, NRA employees wouldn't even be at these dinners. I know there was at least one time that people were strictly Ackerman or Mercury Group employees. 
the way I understand that that monthly charge work was there was a monthly charge of, let's just say, $3,500, and that was basically towards food. We had a minimum amount we had to pay in order to have this type of account. There was always charges of fine liquors, cigars, meals. It would not be unusual to say that there were thousands of dollars spent on meals at one time. One of the other names that Alex mentioned, Tyler Schropp, is someone we profiled in episode four. Tyler was formerly the treasurer at the Mercury Group under Tony Macris. Then he moved into an executive role at the NRA. According to documents in the possession of the New York Attorney General, in just a five-year period while at the NRA, Schropp rang up 127 charges at Landini Brothers. Additionally, he expensed charges at luxury hotels, spas, golf courses and pro shops, cigar bars, and other charges that were over $450,000 during that five-year span. And all of it went to the out-of-pocket job at Ackerman. And all of it then went back to the NRA. We would at times roll our eyes at the charges that would come across. Myself and others were probably slightly jealous of the perks that came along with being a worker group employee on the NRA account. Wayne LaPierre has blamed Ackerman for these billing practices. But it didn't seem to bother him when he was using his Ackerman Amex to pay for things like trips to New York, L.A., Reno, the Bahamas, Budapest, Hungary, and Italy, private jet travel for his wife's hair and makeup artist, his wardrobe, rent for an intern, and a $70,000 check to consummate a deal for a $6 million mansion. Ackerman did not do anything that did not have client consent or direction. I would argue that Ackerman kept every receipt, every document, everything that went there was checked off. They knew exactly what they were putting there. They had the backup that goes along with the charges and could probably be produced at any moment. I don't think Ackerman tried to hide anything. They kept the records. What they did was kept it as secure as they possibly could at the direction of the client. Nothing that we did for the NRA was without Wayne's knowledge, direction, or consent. There's absolutely no way he didn't know what was going on. This is gangster capitalism.
the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Hey, friend, it's Cami Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics. Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Listen and follow Relationship with Cammie Crawford on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. On Tuesday, April 21st, an email landed in my inbox. It was from the NRA. I joined the organization because I wanted to receive messages like this one. Since then, my inbox has been home to a steady stream of emails, most of them asking for money. Like most fundraising emails, this one was personalized, which, in the context of hosting this podcast, seems somewhat humorous. The subject line said, Andrew, I'm proud to present you with this honor. And the message read, Dear Andrew, You've stood by me through some of the toughest battles ever fought by NRA. Together, we've answered history's call and achieved enormous victories against overwhelming odds. When NRA needed leadership, you never hesitated to step forward with your voice, your vote, and your contributions of hard-earned dollars. The NRA has likewise been hit hard by this national emergency, costing our association tens of millions of dollars. NRA's Golden Eagles are among my closest friends and advisors. I know I can count on them because they, like you, have never let me down. That's why you're being nominated for the NRA National Patriots Medal and membership in the NRA Golden Eagles. Golden Eagle dues are $250 per year, 
which you can pay in full right away or in four easy installments of $62.50 each within a 12-month period. Thank you for your friendship and support. I look forward to hearing from you. Sincerely, Wayne LaPierre. The irony of this email certainly was not lost. The NRA was offering me a chance to become a Golden Eagle for $250. And the timing made perfect sense. We know that the NRA has had major money issues since 2017, with its $40 million payment to Ackerman McQueen, followed by lawsuits against Ackerman, led by attorney Bill Brewer, who, of course, is the brother-in-law of the CEO of Ackerman. Ackerman was once the NRA's biggest and most trusted vendor. Now, it seems that Brewer is, and he's allegedly collected $54 million from the NRA to handle its legal battles, which include multiple lawsuits and investigations which threaten its nonprofit status. By now, it should be clear what a disaster this is. But if it still isn't, listen to the words of Wayne LaPierre himself. I don't have to go through it all. You lived it, I lived it, we've all lived it. Just two hours before I received my email to become a Golden Eagle, this audio was leaked on the internet. But let me tell you where we are, where we are right now. The cost that we bore was probably about a hundred million dollar hit in real money. I mean, that's huge. What does this reveal about the National Rifle Association? It reveals that the National Rifle Association and Wayne LaPierre have made a lot of enemies over the last year. This is Tim Mack. Tim is a reporter for NPR and author of the upcoming book about the NRA called Misfire. Tim broke the story on NPR with the leaked Wayne LaPierre audio clip. Here, he adds important context. There are a lot of people, even within the gun rights movement or within the National Rifle Association itself, who are very dissatisfied with the way that LaPierre has handled the organization's finances over the last two years. The fact that there was someone in the room who began recording is is an interesting indication of where the National Rifle Association is at as an organization. The audio was recorded at a board meeting. Here, Wayne rails against the New York AG, or Attorney General, and her investigation into the misuse of funds and self-dealing among executives and board members at the NRA. I think of every blue state AG, think of the power of government, the power of weaponized government, and, uh, and all the resources they have. When they're, I mean, I've never seen anything like that in the United States of America, to tell you the truth. I mean, that is Cuba. That is communist China. Wayne goes on to try to defend his decisions and actions, which have led the NRA directly to the position it finds itself in now. And 
there was only one path that we could go down, and that's the path we started down. And we never deviate. No matter what the heck the cost was, no matter what the heck the cost was on friendships, no matter what the heck the cost was on people that lost their way along the way, we were going down that one path to save this association because I'll be damned if any of us were going to let it destroy us. And that's the path we went down. I don't have to go through it all. You lived it, I lived it, we've all lived it as to, as to what's happened over the last year and a half. The NRA has had some of these problems before, right? They've faced scrutiny before. They've had board revolts before. They've had issues with outside contractors before. But this is the first time all of those things have happened at once. When there were previous board revolts in the past, they didn't launch into litigation against Ackerman McQueen. They haven't faced investigations of this seriousness and scale from attorneys general before. This is just a confluence of all sorts of negative things happening to the National Rifle Association all at once. With all of the growing litigation costs, as we've said, including the alleged $54 million to the Brewer firm, the NRA has scaled back. The organization just recently laid off 60 employees and slashed their budget. But, according to an email from a board member to a top NRA official, with the subject line reading, what the fuck is going on, board members were not even told that this would happen. The email reads, quote, this lack of transparency and failure to communicate indicates incompetent and inept leadership on the part of those unnamed individuals making those decisions. What we did in order to, to survive and adjust is we took about 80 million in real cost out of the NRA budget. 80 million dollars. I mean, we kind of we kind of re reframed this entire association. We took it down to the studs. You take the house down to the studs in terms of preparing for the fight. And you know what we do in that. And here it comes, the true cost of all of this mishandling of donor money. Well, let me tell you where we are, where we are right now. The cost that we bore was probably about a hundred million dollar hit in lost revenue and real cost to this association in 2018 and 2019. It was it, it up to this point has been about a hundred million dollar hit in real money. I mean that's huge. I think everyone knew that the NRA was in some jeopardy. But what's remarkable is that no one's really been able to put a figure to it, right? What this story does is it tells you in dollar terms from Wayne Lapierre's own mouth how much this has cost the organization. It's been about a hundred million dollar hit in real money. I think the story tells just how much the NRA has suffered mostly of their own design. What gives the NRA its power is its millions and millions of members. Some substantial portion of members 
are realizing that that money is not being well kept and well spent. And 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 and, and our 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 budget that we've given you. I mean, I feel pretty good about where we are, believe it or not. And uh, we're not out of the woods yet. I mean, we still gotta wrestle. It's hard to listen with a straight face when Wayne attempts to tell the people in the room that he feels good about where they are. But it makes sense that he'd add a positive spin. He's the one that's brought them to this point. When we began this season, you heard President Trump, just one year ago, speaking to the NRA members at their annual convention in Indianapolis. Well, I want to thank Wayne. I'm thrilled to be here in Indiana with the men and women of the NRA. You are great American patriots. The NRA had taken responsibility for spending enough money to help put President Trump in the White House. But the very next day, things began to unravel at breakneck speed and reports of Wayne LaPierre's self-dealing made news. Or as he says, fake news. But it's all there in black and white. Emails, documents, tax reports, receipts, all impossible to dispute. But in typical Wayne fashion, the perfect spin was on the way. My opinion, and it's not just mine, it's shared by many, is this coronavirus was actually a godsend so that they could have an excuse to say it was not mismanagement that is pulling down the program and doing so much damage to it. It's, I don't know, it's just tragic. That's Scott Tache. We heard from him in Episode 7. Scott was a grassroots fundraiser for the NRA in the state of Wisconsin. And since his retirement, Scott has found out that the NRA Foundation is withholding grants to states like his, which is earmarked exclusively for that purpose, and blaming the coronavirus. As far as I know, no grants were processed when some were inquiring you know, where's the grants? I had told them, inquire to headquarters through the grant program and let me know what the answer is. Most of this was communicating by email. And when they forwarded these emails back, it stated, due to the coronavirus, all of the grant process is on hold until further notice. The analogy that I used is your local bank saying you and your wife can't ever withdraw any money out of your checking account because of this coronavirus. It's bogus. First thing I would be saying if my bank said that was, geez, I think I'm going to call the attorney general because I think you're holding my money. You can't do that. Scott told us last episode that this had begun happening while he was still an NRA employee. Now, the organization has the perfect excuse to hold back money they so desperately need for their legal fights. Here's NPR reporter T. 
Tim Mack. The NRA was already struggling before the coronavirus crisis hit. But this could really be a nail in the coffin here. We began this season at the 2019 NRA convention. And we'd always planned to end it at this year's convention in Nashville, Tennessee. But now, due to the coronavirus, there will be no convention. And that loss, which is an estimated 25 to $35 million for the organization, is crippling. In addition, the coronavirus has shut down the NRA's lucrative Friends of the NRA benefits, which insiders tell us generates another estimated $25 million. So that's a minimum of $50 million in lost revenue due to COVID in a crucial election year. The NRA touts the $30 million it spent in 2016 to help put President Trump into office. But now, circumstances are very different. I find it difficult to believe that the National Rifle Association will be the same kind of presence in 2020 as it was in 2016. Last year, the president spoke at their convention. The most powerful American political figure spoke at their convention. This year, there isn't even a convention. It's really hard to imagine that the NRA would be able to match its contributions to the Trump campaign in 2020. Given all the financial troubles they're in, it's really hard to see where they would come up with that money. And if you talk to folks who have raised money for the National Rifle Association, it's hard to look big dollar donors in the eye and say, we'll be good stewards of your money and put this to good use for the causes you care about. That's very hard to say right now. And remember, this isn't an organization that's a grassroots organization. It's, it's driven by largely small donors. What gives the NRA its power is its millions and millions of members. And some substantial portion of members are realizing that that money is not being well kept and well spent. The NRA is in a free fall. And we're at the point where everybody is pointing fingers. Ackerman McQueen, fundraisers and major donors, employees and board members who've jumped ship, the New York Attorney General, and of course, Wayne LaPierre, and those willing to stick by him, despite all of the unethical and possibly illegal behavior. Tim Mack seems to sum it up best. This organization is the most powerful political organization in America. And the allegations against the NRA are extraordinarily serious. We could see a collapse of this group in a matter of months. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly 
about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. NRA members and gun owners helped put President Trump over the top. The left's message is absolutely clear. They want revenge. You've got to be punished. They say you're what's wrong with America, and now you've got to be purged. Maybe it's time... The monster that was created in the character of Wayne LaPierre as the leader of the gun rights movement in the United States, that was created by Akram McQueen. And it was created specifically to protect their interest in the financial relationship they had with the NRA. And Wayne LaPierre was the custodian of that relationship. That's Rob Pincus. Pincus spoke in episode two about the attempt to remove LaPierre and members of the board at the convention in Indianapolis. And Pincus says that once Wayne LaPierre handed the keys to the castle to an advertising firm, the organization lost sight of what and who they are here for. Over the last 20-plus years, Akram McQueen has been tasked with increasing the revenue from membership, increasing the membership numbers, and they felt, as a PR firm that really wasn't invested in Second Amendment or gun rights, that the best way to do that was to, again, start specifically focusing and narrowing the message towards one demographic of American gun owner, that group being primarily a conservative, Republican, white, Christian, American gun owner. But they certainly don't represent the entire 100-plus million U.S. gun owners. And to those of you on the violent left who claim we believe there's an us and them in this country, you're absolutely right. There are those of us who believe in freedom. Then there are those of you who actively burn down our country because you can't get over the fact your so-called progressive didn't win the election. Get over it and grow up. A lot of the talking points and messaging became anti-media, anti-liberal, anti-democrat, pro-Christian, and those things really aren't directly tied towards the gun rights issues. I mean, within the last few years of NRA TV, you started seeing uh, talking points related to abortion issues, talking points related to immigration issues, as opposed to actually focusing on gun rights issues, as most American gun owners think the NRA should stay. Now, it's undoubtedly awfully convenient that these huge caravans are forming now and are being speedily transported north just in time for the November 6th election. But the real story here is the nexus we're finding between left-wing groups from the United States, Soros-funded groups in Latin America, and the Venezuelan government. So by fulfilling a narrative, by fear-mongering, by telling people you can only trust the Republicans, the UN is going to invade the US and take our guns. The people that were ready to hear that were also the people that were ready to send money to the NRA thinking the NRA could prevent it. And so these are the kinds of messages that came. We must do all we can to support our president because as you know, there's an intense war that's being waged by leftist zealots to destroy President Trump and destroy his administration. They'll seemingly stop at nothing. 
So there was a lot of resonance with this kind of messaging from the NRA. It's all part of a larger war being waged right now. But it certainly didn't appeal to those that were closer to the middle, those inside of the American gun owner community that weren't diehard Republicans, those who weren't conservatives. When the NRA shifted its policy to be 100% pro-Republican, essentially another arm of the Republican Party in terms of trying to get out the vote and trying to get people to support Republican candidates at the national level, what they did was they cut off a huge base of very active Democrats who grew up with guns, who owned guns, who were active members of the gun community. To say to an American gun owner, if you vote for a Democrat, you're essentially anti-gun, that's not an inclusive message. That's not a recruiting message. It's not an educational message. It's not a classical lobbying kind of message because there's no education there. There's just demonization. And that just simply doesn't work if you're really trying to change minds. What I hope will happen and what I sincerely believe will happen is that the NRA at some point is going to reform. That leads to a structural and systemic change and they really will become the piece of Americana that they wish they still were, and they really are in the hearts of, of at least many American gun owners. But it's not going to be easy. And unfortunately, Wayne LaPierre and his allies have made it clear that they will not go quietly. This year, the NRA will celebrate its 149th birthday. Founded in 1871, by ex-Union soldiers, the NRA's main purpose was to support marksmanship and gun safety. For more than a century, the NRA did just that. But it's fallen off the rails because of one thing. Greed. Here are some former NRA employees we've heard from throughout this season summing it up. I think... There needs to be reform or a reckoning with the way they're doing business. When for-profit companies are running nonprofits, everyone loses because the mission isn't being done anymore. It's going into people's pockets, not to the people that need it. I do hope that some good from all this would be that boards need to get with the program and really come together not just like at NRA where you have some board members who are saying, I saw this, I disagree with it, I tried, and now I had to resign. But that entire boards would come together and say, we need to think about the people we're serving, not how much money are we putting in our own pockets, in the pockets of the executives. The NRA was able to convince their believers that the man behind the curtain was the great and powerful Oz, LaPierre probably walks around terrified that all of this is going to crumble around him and he's going to be seen for what he really is, just this sniveling individual. I believed for the past 25, 30 years that Wayne was the second coming and I was wrong. And it is time for new blood. So what does it take to get Wayne LaPierre out of there? Just a lot of people take a big, healthy sip of a glass of realism and realize what the truth is. Wayne, this is a guy who, when I questioned him about his future, he said, I just want to go back to 
some New England state and sell ice cream. His vision of the future after retiring was to have an ice cream store. To me, the future looks like get rid of the high salaries, get rid of the ego fruitcakes. Tell Wayne, go open your damn ice cream store. If they do that, I think NRA's future is fine. In researching and telling this story, we've spoken to people from all walks of life. But one thing we made clear to all of them was that this season would not be about the gun debate. It would be about facts. Facts, no matter what anybody tells you, are black and white. Nonpartisan. So why does it matter that a group of people at the top of the NRA have used membership money as their piggy bank? Journalist Mike Spees, who spent four years covering the gun debate, gives his final thoughts. I think the story is so important because one of the most divisive issues in the country is what to do about guns. Tens of thousands of people die from guns every single year. Mass shootings have become more and more prevalent. They often involve children. Families are destroyed by them. And I guess from my perspective, the question has always been, what is the NRA's stake in this? Is it really about promoting a cause? What does it mean to devote your life to having or promoting a society in which there is few restrictions on firearms, the most deadly weapon a person can hold imaginable? Why is that such a rallying issue? What does that mean? And over the course of my reporting, I came to discover that at the heart of the cause was something very different. It turned out that it wasn't really or didn't seem to be about ideology and believing in a set of values and a lifestyle. It seemed to be about getting as much money for yourself as possible. Self-enrichment. And that was at the expense of a whole lot of life. And when I came to that conclusion, it was the most depressing thing I had ever encountered over the course of my entire career. It doesn't seem like they're doing it because they care. They're doing it because what they care about is living an extravagant lifestyle through the vehicle of a non-profit. How could this not disturb and outrage everyone, no matter where you stand on the issue? This concludes season two of Gangster Capitalism. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it. And we'll likely be back with a bonus episode, depending on any major developments. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any tips you'd like to share, please reach out to us at tips at gangstercapitalism.com or you can leave a voicemail at 347 674 6980. For more information, go to gangstercapitalism.com 
and follow us on Instagram at Gangster Capitalism or on Twitter at Gangster Capital. This has been a creation and presentation of C13 Originals, a division of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Chris Corcoran, Zach Levitt, and me, Andrew Jenks. Written and directed by Zach Levitt and me. Produced by Lloyd Lockridge and Perry Crowell. Edited by Perry Crowell. Mixing and mastering by Bill Schultz. Research and production support by Ian Mont. Production management by Terrence Malingone. Studio coordination by Sean Cherry. Artwork and design by Kurt Courtney. And marketing and PR by Josephina Francis and Hilary Schuff. Our original score is by Joel Goodman, and our theme song, Your Sins Will Find You Out, is by Eli Paperboy Reed. It's after bedtime, the kids are asleep, and the moms are out to play. We're Dina and Kristen, the duo behind the Instagram account, Big Little Feelings. I'm Dina, I'm a child therapist and mom of two who nerds out on all things neurobiology and psychology, and Kristen is a parent coach who wrangles three kids on a daily basis, here to give it to us like it is. We weren't meant to do this parenting thing alone. Consider After Bedtime your village. Follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.